Hi, I'm Izzy. Welcome back to the second season of the Gleason First Time Buyer Podcast. We've created this podcast to help you with your journey to home ownership, and in our episodes, we've covered everything from interior tips to finance advice and everything in between. You'll be able to find our podcast on all the most common streaming services, but also on our YouTube channel, which you can find by searching the Gleason First Time Buyer Podcast. In today's episode, we're joined by Rob Thomas, a solicitor from PLS Solicitors based in Manchester. Rob is here to take away the stress of buying your first home by talking you through the legal process of getting onto the property ladder. So, welcome to the podcast, Rob. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Uh, Good morning, Izzy. Um, So, yeah, my name is Rob Thomas. I'm one of the founding um, directors of PLS Solicitors. Lovely. We have three offices. We're based in Manchester, Liverpool and London. And we specialise in new build. So when I say new build, um, acting as a preferred recommended solicitor for buyers um, across new build developments. And that's really all over the UK. So from the northeast all the way down to the southeast and southwest. Uh, We set the business up in 2008 off the back of a financial crisis. Probably not the best time to uh, set up any (laughs) business. Uh, especially when conveyancing was, you know, it was, it was very difficult trying to uh, pull the leads in back in 2008. Um, but we've grown it steadily since then. And we're now um, probably the, the largest provider of new build conveyancing in the UK. Amazing. Um, and we work as a preferred solicitor or one of the preferred solicitors with Gleason as well. Amazing. So the legal side of buying a home is something that a lot of our customers, as we are predominantly for first time buyers, won't be aware of and will probably find quite daunting. So could you give our listeners a bit of an overview of what a solicitor's role is in buying your first home? Um, The solicitor's role is to represent the buyer on the purchase of their new build home from from the beginning, which would be when they obtain the quote, all the way to the end when they've completed on the purchase and they've moved into their new home. Um, We think that our job, certainly at PLS, is to make that process as easy as possible. Um, Conveyancing traditionally is seen as, you know, a very antiquated um, approach and process, which leads to huge amounts of frustration for clients, and I can totally understand why. Yep. Um, you know, one of the biggest complaints in conveyancing is that, that they don't receive phone calls or emails from their conveyances, and that's become a lot more widespread since COVID. And yeah. And certainly with the changes in stamp duty, where transaction volumes have massively increased. Um, what we do is we we try to digitalize the process as much as possible. Right. Um, to make life as easy as as, as possible for those buyers. So we always say that if you're a purchaser and you're about to board a plane to travel abroad somewhere and there was Wi-Fi on the plane, you could instruct, you could reserve the property, you could board your flight, and as long as you've got Wi-Fi, you could have exchanged contracts by the time that you arrive in your destination. Amazing. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, theoretically that, that can work, and we've done that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what we should be doing, and it definitely has improved the process for a number of buyers. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely the way forward, digital rather than... Having definitely. to commit to going into offices or even calling digital is just, I think, definitely the way forward. Definitely. I mean, we, we often get um, developers that will ask us or buyers and say, look, can you, um, a buyer's able to come into your office and provide their ID? And we say, look, th- those times are gone. You know, that was like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, so we're just launching an app now, which allows the buyers to, it's almost like self-service AML and ID checking. Mm. Um, so just takes all the stress out of it for them. Yeah. So f- from the first second of contacting our new business team, those customers will then receive a link to download an app. It's the PLS app 
which they can download onto Android or iPhones. Mm -hmm. And then they receive notifications with all the documents which they need to sign from PLS. Right. So they could be, I always use, I use myself as an example, you know, I could be watching my kids have a swimming lesson on a Friday night, rather than scrolling through Facebook or the <laughs> Daily Mail or whatever it is, the newspaper I'm deciding to read that evening. Yeah. I could be signing all my documents, I could be uploading my ID, and yeah. by the time my kids have finished their lesson, we're good to go. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing for selling properties as well. I mean, we, the customers can upload um, the various forms that they need to complete then to, to get the property, the sale moving. Um, yeah. And then that's pretty much how we work from, from the beginning onwards. Mm. Um, you know, when, when we need to advise the clients on terms of the contracts and their documents. Um, we can do that again via the app. We can then set up video calls with the clients as well. Mm -hmm. So they, they, I suppose it's like a hybrid way of working for yeah. us. They, they get all the digitalization, the benefits that come from being able to use a smartphone to mm -hmm. progress transactions, but then it can also speak to people on the phone yeah. and, and set up um, online meetings as and when so they it need could to. be like it, it could be an initial daunting experience but because there's so many familiarizations with the apps and kind of stuff that a lot of first-time buyers use on an everyday basis yeah it kind of breaks down that daunting side of having to read through contracts and everything's just on your phone exactly and I think that's the generation that we live in now isn't yeah. it you know it's a very much uh, you know we're filming this podcast now I mean everyone's listening to podcasts yeah. um, you know people my wife will take a dog for a walk down the canal I thought I'd give my wife a quick shout out, by the way, in this podcast. Um, there we go. I've done it. Um, so, you know, when she walks a dog down the canal, she, she's always got podcasts, yeah. uh, you know, listen to podcasts. So, yeah, it's a key thing. And, that, and that's what we want to do. Yeah. And I think when, you, when you're not using apps and technology, that's when transactions massively delay. Yeah. And that's when customers then start to get frustrated because obviously there's certain timescales that they need to work to mm. um, in order to exchange yeah. and hopefully complete so yeah I mean that's how things should be working and I think that's how yeah. the industry needs to change really to, to make the, the experience for the buyers as good as it can be yeah and I mean one aspect one big aspect to factor in when looking for a solicitor is the financial side of it how much um would you roughly advise our customers to save um to pay for a solicitor like yourself well, I mean, that largely depends on the regions as well, where you, your customers are buying. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say now they need to be budgeting anything between, you know, one and 2,000 really. For, for, and that's excluding any stamp duty. Obviously, there's been recent changes to stamp duty as well, which yeah. will massively benefit, um, you know, purchasers. Um, but I would say between one and 2,000. And that would cover them for the legal fees for the conveyancer, various different disbursements, land registration fees. Uh, any stamp duty, land tax that's payable, yep. um, you know, searches. So, and that's really where they need to be budgeting themselves. Mm. Um, you know, costs have gone up, I would say, for solicitors over the last few years, yeah. I suppose, as as it has for most things. Yeah. Um, but that's where they need to be on, on budget. Definitely. And what's the, I know we've spoken about the app, but what's the relationship like between, is, is there a relationship between you and the customer's over that's not with the app so if a customer was having real trouble with something or trying to get hold of I don't know a mortgage advisor or the sales or anything yeah. can they pick up the phone and call you if needs be they can pick up the phone and call us or it's more than likely that we'll get to them first okay um, so we have we introduced customer relationship managers at PLS mm -hmm. about 18 months ago and the customer relationship managers work alongside the fearing teams so to, to use your example of a, a typical policing customer um, once they've instructed PLS and they filled out the forms, they'll get a welcome call. And I'll get a welcome call from three different sets of people at PLS. The first will be the new business team, just to confirm the quotes and to mm -hmm. confirm that they were instructed. They'll also get a welcome call from the fee owner. 
and they'll finally get a call from the customer relationship manager, which is the person that sits within that team and only that team. And their job is to make five outgoing calls to the customers at key at five key stages of the transaction. Right. And the purpose of those calls is to just to check in with the customer. They're almost like a PLS buddy in a way, <laughs> you know. And, and, and if you were the customer, I'd be, I'd, and I was a customer relationship manager, I'd be ringing you. I'd be saying, "Hi, Izzy, it's Rob here from PLS." Yeah. Um, I just want to check that you're actually okay. Yeah. Okay, because we know it can be a daunting process. Yeah. Obviously, you've got your fear and there that, that's dealing with the case, but sometimes you may have questions that or you may have any any concerns. Yeah. I'm here. You can reach me at any time, and mm-hmm. here's my number. But I will be calling you at five key stages. Yeah. And in those calls, I mean, the purpose of them is first is to check in with the customer, but also to make sure that we can move the customer along within that process. Mm. So, you know, for example, a, a, a call is made to the customer just after we've reported to them on the various different documents. So yeah. that can be a quite a daunting stage as a customer. You know, yeah. you've never seen these documents before. Suddenly you've got this contract, this transfer document, you've got a mortgage deed you've got to sign as well. It's like, oh my goodness, where do I begin with all of this? Mm. So the customer relationship manager will talk them through those documents. And if it's not a convenient time for them to speak, they can arrange another time. Yep. And also on that call, we get perception ratings as well from the customer. Mm-hmm. So there's three different calls where we get perception ratings. And we'll actually just ask them how they rate the service out of five. Is there anything that we could be doing better? Um, so I think you know, in the modern age now, where customer expectations are very, very high um, and they want the very best, this is what you have to do. Yeah. Um, to make sure they're getting the best possible experience that they can. Absolutely. So we, we do that. And then obviously we have the team within the office as well. So if, you know, outside of those outgoing customer relationship calls, if they've just got questions, mm. then they can contact the team, you know, over the phone, over email, mm. and, and we'll answer those questions for them. Amazing. Um, that sounds it, like literally it's the best of both worlds where you've got the app and the digital side of things if you're busy, but then also the support and kind of comfort of talking to someone, asking any questions, that kind of stuff. What kind of questions do you normally get asked from? What are like some of the common questions that you get asked from Gleason customers? Um, A lot of questions around estate charges. You know, if there's an estate charge payable, um, you know, previously if there's any kind of grand rent payable, um, they they might have questions around particular covenants in in transfer deeds. Mm you know, what, what are they allowed to do or not allowed to do with their property? Yeah. Um, sometimes there are restrictions as to, you know, around decoration or mm. painting the house or the types of vehicles that they can park in the driveway. Um, so they're, they're kind of very common questions that, that will be asked. Yeah. Um, you know, or just on a more basic level, you know, what does exchange of contracts actually mean? Mm. You know, at what point are they tied in? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're used to dealing with a, with a full array of questions. And, and the thing we always say to customers is, you know, we do this every day. So yeah. for us, you know, there's, there's no stupid question that you can ask. And because you work so closely with Gleason, you the questions are ones that you just know off the back of your head with us. So They are. And I think that's one of the advantages to, you know, <coughs> instructing PLS or, you know, indeed any other preferred mm. solicitor. I mean, the one thing I should say is that customers are free to instruct whoever they like. Um, you know, there's no requirement to instruct PLS or any other firm. Um, I suppose the advantages to instructing PLS or another preferred solicitor that um, you know we're familiar with the developments. You know we've already spent that time yeah. and effort going through all the legalities um, and signing everything off from a legal perspective, which yeah. means that when the next customer um, wants to instruct PLS, a lot of that work has been done already, certainly mm-hmm. on the legal side, and that saves the customers a lot of time. Um, you know, if they were to instruct a separate firm that, that isn't familiar with the developments, they've got to go through that whole process again. That can put another four to eight weeks yeah. on the process on the transaction time. Yeah. I'd like to think that we can be we're more competitive than on the fees because mm. 
we're saving on that time of the duplication of having to do it all yeah. over again. So. And now kind of following on from that, roughly, I know there's a lot of factors that can be taken into consideration with the time scale, but on average, how long does it take from kind of appointing you guys to getting the keys? What's of well, probably the best way to answer that question is 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 to give you some kind of average time scales from when we receive the contracts because some, sometimes we'll, we'll receive contracts at different times. You know, you could you, a customer could reserve a property, but they could be the very first person on the development to reserve a property, and right. maybe all the contracts haven't been put together at that stage. So normally, you know, once everything's been signed off and we receive contracts, we should be exchanging ideally between four to six weeks. Right. Um, obviously, that's conditional upon the buyers making sure they've got their finance in place and you know and and i suppose making sure that they've actually provided their id and money laundering documents as well Mm. which is why i mentioned earlier on you know we've put a lot of time and effort into creating technology which allows them to deal with that process on day one yeah so you know that's one of the biggest reasons why transactions actually end up delaying because they you know it turns out that you know, they've had somebody gifted from a relative or somebody else yeah. and, and they've not gone through the process that they need to yeah. in order for that to be signed off. What documents um, does a buyer need to provide you guys? So we would request um, one form of photo ID and one form of proof of address from within the last three months. Right. So any of your buyers, when they're about to reserve their property, um, they just need to make sure that they've got those ready to go. You know, it could be a council tax bill, a bank statement, utility bill. Mm-hmm. and just a copy of the passport. Um, and then if it's one of these new passports that's got the codes, I can't remember the exact terminology uh, for that now, then they'll, they'll do a, live list, a liveness test as well. Okay. So they'll stand in front of their phone and they might have to smile at the camera or say, <laughs> or maybe sing some song into the camera. Oh, so the camera knows that they are the person that's, you know, that they, who's, who's on the passport that they yeah. provided. Um, so, I mean... A lot of people would have done that during COVID if, um, I think I had to do it on the NHS app at one stage. So it's just a way of of quickening things up. And again, just making the customer experience as simple as you can possibly make it. Yeah. Um, So that's what we would need. And then the source of funds as well. So if customers are are using some of their own money or they're having money gifted from a relative or or from a relative, Mm -hmm. um, they'd need to provide bank statements. Um, Normally you know firms will last for between three and six months of bank statements Mm -hmm. just to show where those funds have come from yeah and likewise if monies are being gifted from a relative then the relative would need to provide id and proof address and bank statements as well that was going to be my next question what happens if you do get gifted because that's i think it is a quite a common thing now to get gifted money and i wouldn't have any idea what to do if i got it i just want to be like this is my (laughs) yeah well you know and that's a good good point because i think a lot of um a lot of buyers don't expect the questions that they're asked, yeah. you know, and some people, some buyers find it quite intrusive actually being asked questions about, you know, where the monies have come from. Mm. So, you know, we, we, we explained to them on day one that, you know, you will be asked for this information, but, you know, hopefully you won't find this intrusive in any way. We're yeah. just following the regulations and rules that we're required to comply with. Mm. Um, and, you know, most buyers are more than, more than happy to, to provide that information. Yeah. Um, again, going back to technology, um, we're about to go live in the next month on another product where they'll be able to actually just, it's like a Q and a almost on, on an app for their own, um, for with their own source of funds. So rather than us having to go through a process of asking lots of questions and then more questions, mm. they can deal with it on the app and it just asks them how much money they're putting in. And then they have to provide evidence, um, 
you know, as that amount of money decreases. So when they yeah. get down to zero, because they've already provided evidence for the 20,000 or however much they're putting in. Yeah. Um, again, it's about getting what you can out the way mm. on day one um, yeah. to, you know, to, to quicken up the process. Amazing. So when it's kind of getting closer to the final stages, talk us through what those last few stages are and when it's starting to get to the exciting part of getting closer to owning your own home. Okay. So once they've exchanged contracts, um, you know, we, we'd call them, let them know, you know, a bit of a woohoo down the phone <laughs> and, um, you know, cause it's a big event for the customers yeah. to, to, to do that. Um, sometimes there's a bit of a gap. So you could be looking at between a matter of days or weeks, depending on where the build's up to. Mm-hmm. We often ask the customers then, or we let them know that, you know, they just need to sit tight at that point. You know, most of the work has been done. Mm-hmm. We try and get the documents signed as early as we can. So ideally on exchange, so they're not then having to worry about getting documents signed and yeah. returned just before they complete. Um, and then we just, all that we would then need to do once we know we've got their money in place, uh, make sure they've got their insurance sorted as well. Mm-hmm. Which you generally ask them to do before exchange. It's best practice. Yeah. Um, they would, we would then just request their mortgage monies. Um, so we'd request those to arrive with us a day before completion. Normally we have to give between three and five days notice to their banks. We get the money in advance. If we need any further funds from the customers, we'll send them completion statements. Mm-hmm. We give them as much notice as we can about how much money they need to, to find to send over to us. Um, and then it's a case of completing. We try and complete as early as we can on the day um, so that you know they can get in the house and open the champagne <laughs> and uh, get ready for the party. Amazing. <laughs> And one final question to end the pod, end the podcast. What is your favourite part of the job? I have loads of favourite parts of my job. <laughs> and, uh, and my job has changed dramatically from the early days in 2008 when I was probably office junior, um, bank clerk and everything else in between. Um, so really now, you know, my role is to, is to help to, to um, guide the business, manage the business, yep. um, and look after you know um, the, our new build teams. Mm-hmm. For me, um, it's about there's probably two sides to it. Internally with our staff, uh, watching our teams develop and grow, um, we try and um, promote everybody internally within PLS. So some of our most senior members of the team now, I remember when they walked in those doors um, in 2010, 2011, and they're now you know massively important parts of our business. Um, so it's watching the it's just personal development of yeah. individuals, um, watching them grow in confidence and knowledge, and just being the best that they can be. Um, aside from that, it's it's giving the customers the best possible experience that we can, and I genuinely mean that. Um, you know, you speak to a lot of businesses, and they say, you know, we want to give the customers the best experience. Of course we do, but we genuinely, genuinely want to do that. Yeah. And we've we've invested a huge amount of time, money, and effort within the business. Um, in, in our technology, which I've talked about a lot today, and, and training for our staff and the teams to make sure that, you know, when those customers are on the phone, whatever issue a customer has about anything, that's their truth. That's mm. their, you know, they have an issue. But, you know, we, luckily we don't get many of these, but that's their thing. And, yeah. and we just have to totally understand that and, you know, and wrap them up in cotton wool put them on their back, give them a good old tickle, you know, and, and, and just make sure that, that they leave their experience of PLS as happy as they can possibly be. Amazing. So is there anything else that you'd like to add that PLS do to help our customers on their home ownership journey to getting onto the property ladder? Yeah. So, I mean, I've talked already about the digital um, aspects of, of the process um, for us. One of the good things about the app is the fact that the buyers get automatic updates as well on their phone. 
And it's not like, they, you know, obviously they're probably getting plenty of updates from all the other apps as well. <laughs> but they get notifications. So as soon as things have happened, um, for example, we've received the mortgage offer or we've received the draft contracts or we've sent them their report or, you know, we've received documents that have come back from the customer. They get automatic notifications, swipe notifications on their phone. So they're always receiving updates from PLS, which I think is brilliant because, yeah. you know, a lot of the issues that customers complain about, like I said earlier on, is communication, poor communication from the lawyers. Yeah. So what we'd like to make sure of is that the conversations that we're having with the customers, if it's a, an online meeting or over the phone, we're actually using that time to discuss the really key things that need to be that needs to happen, um, you know, or to explain things rather than just having a conversation. And say, yeah, we've received that document, so they get automatic notifications to confirm when they've received um, things or, or there's key updates to happen in the case. Um, the other things are searches. Um, mm-hmm. When you speak to developers, one of the key questions we're always asked is, um, when are the searches back? Is it going to delay exchange? And, and often that can be quite a stressful thing for buyers as well. So we get all of our searches back in 24 hours. Okay. Um, all local searches across the UK, which I think is a massive sell, selling point, actually. Um, you know, a bit like the money laundering and all, all the other things that we like to get out of the way on day one. Um, so we'll, we can, if we've had contracts, um, we'll generally, I mean, we can sometimes get them back without two or three hours. So I think that's a really key point for, for buyers as well. Um, team structure for us, we try and make sure that it's always a small team that acts for the customer. We, we regulate the number of cases that all of our teams have got. So the fearners, if it's one fearner with maybe two assistants, they can't have over a certain number of cases because that's when wheels start to fall off for yeah. conveyancing firms and their customers. So we very tightly regulate that. And that just means that the customer's getting a really personal service, yep. um, you know, that the team isn't too busy to speak to people. And, and that just massively improves uh, the customer experience as well. And I think probably the final thing is lender panels. Um, yeah. We're on every single bank panel, which again is a huge plus for customers. Um, it's rare that you find that these days. Normally a firm have managed to annoy one lender or another along their process, <laughs> um, but, but we're every, on every single panel. So there's none of these issues where they've reserved the property and then they've suddenly found out that PLS can't act for the Halifax or, you know, and they've got to go and instruct other firms. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's it. Amazing. That's probably the last thing, actually, thinking about it is opening hours as well. Yeah. Probably a big point for us. I mean, you know, we know that most people are busy working till 5 p.m. Mm. Um, so um, we, we're in the office till 7 p.m. Uh, Monday to Friday. And then on Saturdays, we open the office till 4 a.m. as well. So, sorry, not 4 a.m., 4 p.m. <laughs> that's impressive. Uh, yeah, that would be very impressive. <laughs> Um, 4 p.m. Um, you know, and that's just a telephone line for customers if they've got queries or you know yeah. they've just um, reserved a property. Then there's someone on the other end of the line at PLS and speak to. Thanks so much for joining us on the Gleason First Time Buy podcast. It's been great having you. Yeah, it's been good to be here. Thanks, Izzy, for inviting me. Lovely. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. We hope it's been insightful and you have a better understanding of the legal process of buying your new build Gleason home. Don't forget to hit follow and subscribe to our Spotify and YouTube channel so you don't miss a future episode. Thanks for listening.